Welcome into the Sports Insanity Podcast. Let's go completely insane, peeps! Sports fads, good morning, afternoon, evening, whatever time zone you are in. I'm Bill Murphy. I am Lawrence Patchman Lang. I'm Danny Boy Reginald from Maryland. Good old Maryland. He's back! He's yeah. alive! <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, you, you hope you didn't miss me too much. I always miss, miss you. Me. We always miss you. We always miss you, Reg. I miss you the most. So I'm just throwing it out there. I miss you the most, this. Well, I appreciate it. I mean, look, uh, it's it, it's been uh, challenging trying to settle into a new city, into a new area. But you know, it, the help of family and friends, I, I just it, it makes it all work out. So I appreciate all the help and stuff. And I'm just ready to rock and roll. Let's do it. All right, let us do it. And welcome to game two and the top. Top of the second inning of the Sports Insanity Podcast. We got a fantastic show for you today, folks. We got a lot, a lot to talk about. We got NFL Wildcard Weekend. We got the divisional playoffs coming. We got the national championship. We got baseball. We got NBA and the Harden trade. Hockey's back, folks. We can re- we can embrace. We can rejoice. And of and unfortunately, we got to talk about COVID concerns. So. That's our. That's that is a lot. A lot to get to today, guys, isn't it? Man, you're spitting fire already, man. Why are we just sitting here talking about what we have to do? Well, we could just. Well, we could just get to it. So let's get it started. Hot. You know. Yeah, that was so cringy. Oh God, uh, I'm sorry, so- dude. That that was really bad. <laughs> and for all you other fans out there wondering where our lovely other ghost christine is she could not be here right now but she did send us some stuff to throw in the episode later so you'll hear that later in the show and she we cannot be here tonight so we're gonna make it work and filter it in here and there for you and and we and first of all might i say so far incredible job by christine oh she's been doing great in my absence like you know i i couldn't have asked for a better host you know she's she's been incredible so uh, sorry, awesome. sorry, couldn't she couldn't be here tonight? And uh, you know, look, hope for the best in the future. And hey, I'll see you in the future. I'll, I'll be around soon. Okay, we're gonna start with the NFL. Oh, much more subtle, Bill. There you go. And what a wild, wild card weekend, man! You had a little bit of everything. You you even had an f bomb on Nickelodeon, which is amazing inside of itself. We're gonna get to that in a little bit. You know, for kids. <laughs> For the children, and the children heard a bad word. You gotta love it. It's amazing how a broadcast of a football game on Nickelodeon can actually work out and be beneficial to those that don't know football. It's amazing how it just all worked out. And well, I mean, we 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 gave a ton of jokes off air about. You know, Nickelodeon broadcasting these games and like, oh, well, they're just going to make it about kids. And 
it, it was just it was just the whole thing. But uh, I, it, I gotta give him props. I have to, I, I have to give him props. I gave them major props because even when like a flag occurred, we're getting this right now, I guess. Um, they had young Sheldon appear and he explained the penalty so the so the audience would understand it, which was even real cool. You had the slime zone when a touchdown occurred. You had the holographic slime cannons go off. Yes, it was awesome inside of itself. Even though the game was kind of a bar burner, it was still cool to see the NFL go on Nickelodeon and do something different instead of this big production on like CBS or Fox or you know, it, I think it's good to keeping the kids engaged too. Well, it also brings a new generation of football fans, you know, because it's hard enough nowadays to get new sports fans because this whole climate when it comes to news and politics and you know music you know that it just takes over everything sports is such a small like how should i say it's like a small group of people and not everyone's going to understand the vast majority is not going to understand sports so the fact that you're trying to draw attention to new fans it's incredible. It's an incredible job. Uh, hopefully it works out. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the exact numbers were for the football, but I, I'm sure that it was somewhat popular. I mean, it was a lot, very popular to the fans, to, at least to fans like us, our age. I only watched a little bit of, I only watched a few seconds of it on Nickelodeon, but I thought, you know, I thought for what they were doing, I thought that was very interesting in all honesty. It, it, was and, very, um, it was very interesting because, once again, it gives you that different aspect of, okay, this is not a normal broadcast of a football game. It's going to be a little bit different. It's going to be towards the kids a little bit more. But overall, it worked pretty well. The commentating was a little interesting. You know, you know being a comm major myself, when there wasn't that much talking going on, you're like, oh, my God, there's dead air. Someone say something. But that's just me being the major that I majored in. But other than that, you know, good on the NFL for this. And for all, and your, you fans, know, and for all your fans out there, that was the game that broadcasted was the Bears and the Saints. And the Saints came away with the win with a 21-9 to win. Drew Brees is still hanging around for one more game. Okay. So, and also, here what you were saying you were wondering, um, like the numbers and stuff, Reg. Nickelodeon averaged 2.06 million viewers during the game. And this was actually the network's most watched program in four years. I mean, the fact that it it, it raised to that level is kind of cool. I mean, you know, no offense, Nickelodeon, but, you know, I don't know what, I don't even know what's on it anymore. And, um, you know, beforehand everyone knew it was on Nickelodeon, even the grown ups. Like I don't even know what's on it. So the fact that it's the most that that was the most watched program in four years, hey again, like I said, it's a good thing for the NFL. It's a good thing for kids networks. And it again, it just draws attention to again, another set of fans that are younger and that are gonna want to get into it. What would you say to this before we move on to the actual games? What if Cartoon Network started broadcasting NFL games? Well, well, I mean, they've done stuff for, like, basketball before, like TNT and stuff. Yeah, they, yeah. Yeah, they, they, they collaborate with the NBA. But if, the, if Cartoon Network can pick up an NFL game, 
once a month or just for a, a playoff game, they would draw more ratings because they're only showing like five shows, it seems. Now, when I, well, when, when I decide to tune in once in a while to see what's going on in the Nickelodeon Cartoon Network. But I, I know what's on Cartoon Network more because Cartoon Network advertises, it seems, a lot more with their shows, unlike Nickelodeon, that very rarely does a plug for an animated show. And plus, I think maybe because... Okay, somebody correct me if I'm wrong. Because both Nickelodeon and CBS are owned by Viacom. Correct, yes. And maybe that's why they were able to do the to do that broadcast because well, they're both... Well, well yeah, that, that was sort of the plan. Was that, you know, with, in conjunction with CBS Sports, they were going to put the game on Nickelodeon and stuff. Yeah, so good on Nickelodeon, and hopefully maybe we'll see more. Um, I don't know if they're going to do that with Cartoon Network because... Um, what's oh, well, Warner Brothers, or wherever the the um the company is. I don't think they have rights to the NFL. They don't. Yeah, they only have rights to like basketball and baseball and like golf, I think. Um oh um soccer, UEFA. They have that too. Um so um yeah football, I mean yeah, definitely those sports something to watch out for really. Yeah. You know what kids, you got to see football. And you got to hear the F word. Got to hear one F word. One F word from Cordell Patterson. Okay, so now we get on to the actual games. And, oh, boy, what a hell of a week it was, folks, wasn't it? Yeah, you know, starting off, Buffalo getting their first playoff win since 1995 when some of us were only one, if not almost one years old. I wasn't born. Dan, Dan wasn't even a thought yet. I was, I was a little bit over one years old, and Bill was probably about 11, 10 months old when the Bills won their last playoff game. Uh, yeah, that, that, yeah, probably about 10 months old. I was born in March, so. Buffalo. March 94, so. January, January of 94. Birthday's next Sunday to all you listeners. We'll get to that later. Uh, but Buffalo came up with a win 27 to 24. Josh Allen, 26 of 35, 324 yards passing, two TDs, one of which went to Stephon Diggs. And, you know, Philip Rivers still hanging out there, showing he can still ball or throw the ball out there. 27 to 46, 309 yards passing, and two TDs. And I will say Buffalo needs to step their game up if they want to make a run to the Super Bowl because this game they barely escaped with a win. Yeah, and was this Philip Rivers' last game? No, Philip Rivers is going to come back for one more year. Philip, has, Philip, Philip still has a lot more in the tank. Okay. That was a good game by – well, it was – I wouldn't say it, – it's about mediocre for Buffalo. Like, I feel like Buffalo, you know, their defense, you know, wasn't as good as it has been, like, throughout the season. Also, their offense, you know, while they did score 20 or so points, you know, they did – not really show up very well. You know, it was like the Bills just, you know, they didn't come out flat, but they also didn't play their best football that day. I feel like the Colts came out uh, and challenged them better, even though both sides had a bit of issues, you know, defensively, offensively, Colts were actually pretty good. So, you know, 
only next week, this weekend, uh, Saturday when they face the Ravens, that Buffalo can show up better. But really, like, so far, it's really not that good. I mean, and, and this has been sort of a trend for the Bills. Ever since they've made, started making the playoffs again, their playoff performances haven't been that good. So that's something of concern for Buffalo. Yeah, absolutely. That is a deep concern. Yeah, you know, Buffalo played very well in the season, but I'll give them – I'll get, I guess I'll give them, like, the Natch treatment here within baseball when they make the postseason. They kind of just crack under the pressure, and then they collapse, for lack of a better term. You know, the Nats finally got over that crackle and pop and punched a World Series, but Buffalo needs to do this finally. Buffalo – if – if anyone has a, if Buffalo has a chance to win it all this year, this is their year. Oh, totally. I mean, I think Buffalo is a deep, deep Super Bowl contender, and I'm going to continue to say that. However, you know, if they're going to continue to not show up in playoff games, then that's something that you know, maybe if it's another coaching move, not necessarily coaching move. Like for instance, they got Diggs to help out with their wideouts. And Diggs has been phenomenal for the Bills. He's, oh, he's been, been great. great. For, he's been great for Josh Allen, and Josh Allen needed that. You know, maybe you know going with another type of coach, or maybe getting another stud running back, or a stud—not necessarily stud receiver, but someone that's like good enough for to help out Diggs a little bit. Because no offense, they were pretty down on wide receiver. So you know, it, it's all that other stuff that the Bills really need to look at. And, look, I think they're going to win against the Ravens. But, you know, don't sleep on Baltimore because, you know, that Lamar Jackson, man, he carried that team against the Titans in that revenge type of game. Yeah, we'll get, and, we'll get right, and we'll get right into that. We'll <laughs> totally. get into that when we get to picks. No, we're going to get into it right now, you know. Wait, wait, we got to talk about the other games, though, too, don't I, we? You're not listening. He's talking about J- Lamar getting his revenge over Tennessee. Oh, okay. Uh, my apologies. There you go. You, you finally went through. Bing. Ding, the light went off. All right. Getting to that, Lamar Jackson finally got his first playoff win. A 20-13 victory over Tennessee. And he actually, need to, haters need to shut up. Haters need to shut up. Lamar finally got his first – Lamar Jackson finally got his first touchdown playoff. His front first playoff touchdown, win. Touchdown win. I like that one. Uh, okay. That was yeah, funny. Okay. I, I like that. That's cute. Okay. You know what I mean. Their first playoff win. I had a – Lamar got his first playoff win. Bill had a brain fart, folks. Just uh, – I'm still alive. And my brain's still moving. Okay. But anyway, moving on. Um, thank God for editing. But anyway – um, yeah, Lamar Jackson finally got it off his back. He's finally got a finally got a playoff win. And what, what are you saying? The haters need to shut up, Reg. Well, you go ahead, Reg. I'm sorry. All, all, all I'm saying is, for the last what three years, ever since Lamar entered the league, the thought was that he would not necessarily he would never win, but that you know he has never come up big in these playoff games. And Saturday, he just did. He showed up big time. He showed up big time in that Saturday game, as oh, Sunday game. Excuse me, he was on Sunday, and um, and he 
he showed the world why he's one of the best in the league. He showed the world why he was MVP last year. And the Ravens are better off for it. Like, you know, the, I'm happy to see Lamar succeed in the playoffs because that's where he needs to succeed in order to, you know, make his career that much worth it. Yeah, and Lamar Jackson, he can run, he can pass. He was actually the leading rusher in that game, too, for Baltimore. So Exactly. Like, imagine if... He's a quarterback who can run and he can throw. Well, imagine if the Ravens lost that game. Then the narrative would have continued that he just never comes up in big games. But yet he had a great game. So then the thought of, you know, not being able to win a game, not coming up in big games, it was always the talk. And it just got annoying because Lamar is such a good player. Because this would be the talking heads on ESPN if the Ravens lost. Well, he had a good game, but he can't come up in these situations. And I'm afraid that and, – and look, he got the first one, you know, which is a monkey off his back. But now I'm afraid that if he loses to Buffalo, that it will be the bigger games that he can't come up with. You know, it, it's a whole thing that, you know, you don't want him to be in because then now, you know, he's going to get all the criticism. And, look, he, he's a big-time quarterback. He understands that. But at the same time, it's like he's, de- he's developing well into a good, good Absolutely. Player. And, look, while the Ravens did have a lot of issues over the season with COVID-19, the team sort of struggled, you know, the fact that they were able to get to this next round of the playoffs, solid, solid job. Pat. You know, it, it, the narrative right now, Lamar's writing his own narrative in this playoff because as soon as he – if he loses, the narrative's going to be, oh, he cracked under the pressure. But if he wins, it's going to be, oh, Lamar's finally stepping up in this postseason – or not this postseason. He's finally stepping up in the postseason, winning big games. It's like Lamar is in a lose-lose situation at the moment. Or win-lose situation. He's in a win-lose situation. If he wins, he's going to be – High praise. If he loses, it's going to be what? What's Baltimore's next move with Lamar? It's like, come on, people. Yeah, they're going to get rid of the OC, or they're going to get rid of the head, eight, the head coach, like you know, all that stuff. Which is the talk what, will then start. Which, by the way, John Harbaugh. I mean, can you can this guy get credit to? Absolutely. All right, moving on in the rest of Wild Card Weekend, we got the Rams kind of with a shocker over Seattle. 30 to 20 oh, win. Wilson not coming off one of his best playoff performances. He still had two touchdowns, but he had a big he had a big INT for a pick six that kind of changed the momentum of the game. Yeah, the thing is though, he kind of looked flat throughout the game. You know. Right. Right. I mean, look, Seattle's a flawed team. They were been a flawed team all year and while I feel like they should have won that game and I picked them to win that game, the fact that the Rams beat them, but first of all, they're in the same division, so they know each other very well. So that's also not surprising that the Rams won. You know, but the fact that they lost that game, it just shows you that all year long, Seattle has been up and down. Record doesn't necessarily show it, but Seattle's been an up and down team. They they didn't show up even in the games they won. It's not like they showed up in all those games and they played the game perfectly. 
and there's no no one plays perfectly. But you know what I mean. Like it's oh, not absolutely. Like, it's not like they played like terrific ball. You know, Seattle has always been a flawed team this year, and I guess what the Rams did well is that they exposed the flaws, and they were able to come up with a victory, which is you know good for LA. You know, it's, it's great to see them successful again. Um, but you know, it, it's a it's a major step back for the Seahawks. Oh, it's a huge setback. Picture, and you know what they got? They got Russell Wilson. They got all their weapons: Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf. This is a big step back, but you know what? Real shocker that the Rams won. A good shocker, but well, knowing that all of us picked Seattle for that game, but yeah, well, hey, that's the power of well. So did ninety percent of America, probably. So yeah, another big upset. Um, I know. I think he wouldn't even call it an upset. How about the Steelers getting beat down by um, the Browns, forty-eight to thirty-seven? Big Ben, not, big Big Ben having a poor first half, but coming back in the second half, four TDs, four INTs. He had five hundred yards passing, but the, you tried, you tried. It's it, not that he tried, but the game first, the the first play of the game. Botch snap in the end zone. Not in the end zone, but botch snap ball gets in the end zone. Browns recover for a touchdown. That shifted the whole game completely. The game was over at that point. I can agree with that. I can also agree that none of this was really Big Ben's fault. He threw four touchdowns, had 500 plus yards. Like, who? And he, he threw it for what, 68 times? Something like that? I think it was something fifty-eight, some something like that. Something is like in the sixties. He he didn't he completed like forty of those passes or so, but it's like he came out and he balled, and, and, and he's not going to come back. I I I have a strong feeling this is it for him. He's done. Big Ben was um forty-seven of sixty-eight. Exactly, so I was right. He had sixty-eight. He threw sixty-eight times, um, but it was like watching all watching that performance and how. Big Ben tried to stage a comeback, and we knew it was kind of too late to do that. But Big Ben staging that, it's a good way to go for him. I think he should just hang it up from here. Like, what else does he have to prove, really? He 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 really has nothing else to prove. He's a two-time Super Bowl champion. It it pretty much punches your ticket to Canton. Pretty much. He's he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. What do you guys That game alone, while the Steelers were going to lose that game, that game alone should be de- should define his career. The fact that he can come out and of how old he is, like he, he's getting he's up there in age. The fact that he can do that and lose, I, come on, you got to give him some credit there. And I feel like the Steelers, you know, when they're divas that they always produce, and that's a problem. Mike Tomlin, as much as we've praised Mike Tomlin on this show on his great coaching and how the Steelers are always good, always have a bunch of divas in that locker room. And it, it's just, a, it's ridiculous. Well, because be the thing is here, um, I actually, because you know what, I'll even admit it. I was on the Steelers bandwagon in the season. I'll, I'll admit it. I was on the bandwagon. and uh, How could you not? They were undefeated for a while. And But, you know, the last couple games, and we've said this before, 
the cracks were starting to show. It's like when they, it was the game before Washington and they barely just pulled it out. And then Washington, the Steelers lose. And again, okay, I don't hate ESPN. I promise I don't, but the talking heads, oh, it's only one game. Oh yeah, I forgot this beforehand. Ooh, the Steelers are the only team that stand in the way of Pat Mahomes going back to back. Ooh, and and then okay, it's only one game, and then you lose to um, and then you lose to Buffalo. Okay, listen, you lose one game, you lose one game. It happens. But then you lose to um, you lose to Buffalo. You lose to Buffalo. And you lose to Cincy. And then you lose to Cincy, and you're like, the, the cracks are showing. Like, it was a, it was this a Steelers team lost five out of their last six games in the regular season. That's a downfall. That's pretty much what it was. It was basically the downfall. And you lose to – and, like, listen, last game of the season they lost to Cleveland. I was kind of expecting that because – they were sitting all the big guns, and I'm thinking they sat Roethlisberger. They sat a couple other of them, and I'm thinking, okay, Cleveland's going to win this game. And then going into it, Cleveland, that didn't practice at all that week because COVID, and their coach, Kevin Stefanski, that's how you say his name, right? Stefanski. Um, Stefanski, yes. Yeah. Who I didn't butcher his name. I feel special. Um, anyway, who was, who was literally watching the game in his basement Without his phone. He wasn't coaching. He was just watching the game. And he said he, he, said he was going to be left alone for the game. Like, honey, no, leave me alone. I'm watching the game. Um, um, anyway, and the Steelers fell apart. The moment that snap, you're thinking, this is going to be a rough game for Pittsburgh. Uh, this Pittsburgh is going to be a rough game. Pittsburgh almost made it a game. Well, they almost did. In the second half, again, like Ben Roethlisberger, he, you know, played his best. The best that he really could. You know, you, you can only ask for so much. You know, but when you're down 28 <laughs> to start the game or whatever it was, like that's a problem. That is that's a beyond huge, a problem. Huge issue that cannot happen in to any team in any game. And – you obviously, you know, while we're criticizing the series, we have to give credit to the Browns. The Browns have actually put up a nice season. And look, people get on Baker Mayfield. Got to stop getting on Baker Mayfield. <laughs> I'm sorry, this dude. Look, I mean, look. Obviously, a lot of the credit goes to Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb for being their biggest stars. But Baker Mayfield has become an incredible, and and it's going to take him more time. And he's, he's getting there. And I feel like, you know, this coaching route that they took, going with Stefanski as the head coach, I think this is really paying off well. But Baker Mayfield is becoming a solid player too. And he'll be Absolutely. good. And I think he's going to be in elite – if he's not an elite quarterback already. All right. And to kind of close out our recap of Wildcard Weekend, we have Tom Brady doing Tom Brady things with um, – the Bucks and their slight edge victory over the Washington football team, 31 to 23. It was a slight edge victory. So I'm going to give it a slight edge victory, Taylor. But, but, but here's the thing. You can, call, the thing? You, can, you can call it a slight victory all you want. What did Tom Brady do? Like I said 
would happen. Hey, you know, two touchdowns, 381 yards passing. Brady doing Brady. What, what, what did Tom Brady do? He exposed Washington for what they were. But can, that's what he did. I, he I exposed want, the team. Because, and look, you, you want to give credit to Washington? Fine. Taylor Heineke had a, a good game, a, a third string quarterback going and having a good game. It's a wonderful story. The defense was crap against the Bucks. Absolutely. And this is the exact thing that I was talking about. When you have a sub-500 team from a really bad division going in and having their home game, they're, you know, have that pep in their stab, they're bragging, they're going all the way. You have, you know, Chase Young going after Tom Brady saying, I want Tom, I want Tom, I want Tom. And then you put up with the performance like that. And look, Washington, fine. I'll give you the credit all you want. Fine. They still exposed them for what they were, a bad football team. They're a They're bad, bad football, football team. team. The Bucks look, and the Bucks are not the greatest football team either. But the Washington football team was bad, and this game showed it, and I'm glad that it showed it because it's time to change it up a little bit in the NFL. Get rid of the divisions. Get rid of this division mandate, you know, to get a playoff game at home. It's time to change up the format because it's a flawed system. You have teams that had 10 games, that won 10 games, that were good teams, like the Dolphins, that make the playoffs, that don't make the playoffs. But then you have teams that win seven, like Washington, who ended up being what? Not even mediocre. They're, they're a bad team. They and are. They it, it, it's, it's frustrating to watch it. Frustrating. Okay, if I could just say something here. Um, Reg, I agree with you 100%. I think the what you I think the Washington football team they got lucky. They got lucky to get in. And like here's the thing. Yes, the Bucks exposed the Washington football team. And guys, can we get a real name by the beginning of next season please? Like seriously. They they better have please. a real name. Cuz Washington football team takes a lot of energy to say. But anyway, um Okay, but anyway, you're right, and, you know, this does strengthen the anti-division argument because a team, because the NFC East, and this is coming from a New York Giants fan who's in the NFC East, the division was absolute garbage. And, like, listen, you could say TB12 doing TB12 things, but, again, the Washington football team started a third-string quarterback, which, who did good, I'm not going to sit here and thrash him. And look, Taylor Heineke should absolutely get a chance for starting a quarterback job next season. But he's a third-string quarterback. That guy was in guy was in XFL. Guy was a third was a practice squad guy under when under the Patriots with Tom Brady there. That's what he is. Long term, I just don't know if that's going to be your answer. To me, Washington's going to have to go after your quarterback. Who knows? Maybe they'll try to trade up. And it's a shame because, you know, look, and look, you have some bright stars in Washington. Chase Young's a beast. That kid can play. And he, the way he just goes after quarterbacks, the way he just anchors that defense, 
solid, solid player. Yeah, so, yeah, that's what the um, – yeah. So, TB12 going on to the next round of the playoffs. And speaking of the next round of playoffs, we got divisional – the divisional round this weekend. Oh, we got some good games for you folks. You had to kick off your divisional rounds. We got the Rams visiting Aaron Rodgers in Lambeau Field with a 435 kickoff start. And little little fun fact for all the sports fans out there. Last time the Packers and the Rams met was in 2001 in the divisional round where the Rams won 45 to 17 after Brett Favre had six interceptions three of which were ran back for pick sixes. Ooh. Granite, we're talking 20 years ago. That's, that's, an, incredible, that's an incredible thing to put out there. Yeah, well, hey, well, little, little research doesn't hurt sometimes. Yeah, I, 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 think, I think it's great. Yeah, that's I, very interesting, actually. Yeah. What, so where hopefully di- it doesn't happen to Aaron Rodgers this week. Fingers, yeah. Bill. I hope it. Bill, if it happens, I'm coming to you first. For some reason, um, I might not be home that time you plan on coming. I have that very important thing I have to do. Bill, I will call your brother, and he will reveal where you are. Oh no, he no. Oh, he knows. Come on, we know where his loyalty is. I will find his old anesthesiologist. Anesthesi- I can't pronounce the word right now. Anesthesiologist, anesthesiologist, and he'll get and he'll get the good shit again. I'll I'll make sure that happens. But regardless, I'll be taking the Packers. I would say Green Bay, just because one day after they had a week off, so they probably well rested and they practice well too. So the hope is that Green Bay will be better than Los Angeles. Okay, I'm going to have to say go, pack, go. Ravens and the Bills. Buffalo. Give me the Bills. All right, uh, over to me. Okay. I want to say Buffalo. If they win, I'm happy. But I'm going to be straight up honest here. And Nate Mosier, if you are listening to this, I am so sorry. I'm going to have to pick the Ravens. Because, because, listen, Buffalo has a chance to win. But their defense has got to step up. Lamar Jackson is dangerous. Like, not only can – again, I said earlier, not only he can throw, he can also run. So, if Buffalo's got to win, they got to stay on Lamar Jackson. But it, I think the Ravens are going to pull it out. But if Buffalo it, wins, I'll be happy. It also helps that the Ravens are clicking at the right time. You know how exactly. a team gets hot at the right time, like the Giants did in 2011, and they just ran over to the Super Bowl? That's what I'm feeling for the Ravens right now. So it's like, you know, Buffalo certainly has to, to watch out. But ultimately, I think Buffalo, I think they have the better offense. Defense, it's going to be iffy. I mean, Lamar Jackson's tough is very tough to defend. You know, and fully, he'll use he'll use his – Greatest weapon, which is his legs. So I, I, it's going to be a good game. I'm picking the Ravens, but like I said, Buffalo wins. I'll be pleasantly surprised. Nate, and please don't plan on killing me if you're hearing this. Um, all right, Patch, over to you. Over to me. All right. Well, with a 60% chance of snow happening in Buffalo on Saturday, Lamar Jackson has never played a snow game. 
and that that's a that is a major factor. I mean, oh wait, shit, you, I didn't put that in mind. If you because snow in Buffalo, that's pretty bad. I mean, it's like snow. snow it's, it's like snow, snow in Lambo. We see snow in Green Bay, and Green Bay when it's really cold and really snowy, it's really cold and really snowy. The same goes for the Buffalo area. Like that area can get absolutely trenched in snow. It's and that we, lake effect. Oh, it's amazing. Just look, just look at that blizzard game a couple of years ago. One of the funnest games to watch. And I've, I have a few close friends that were there for that game, and they loved every moment of it. That's a side story. But I see myself in the same situation as Bill. I want to pick Buffalo. I want Buffalo to win. And like I say, the factor of snow is going to – sway my vote either way i would say baltimore is going to come away with the win but if buffalo can play their their snow their snow mind game and get inside baltimore's head for hey it's snowing out here you're in trouble buffalo can get this win so i'm in this undecided factor at the moment really i'm undecided with this at this moment i will have to think it over the next so it's a game time. It's a game time decision. Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, as I'm saying, it's a game time decision for me. Okay. Well, that's the first, folks. You have a a delayed pick. How about that? We've had that before. Christine had a delayed pick a few weeks ago. Oh well, I wasn't here for that, so. It's a first from the patch man. Yeah. All right, head into your. Trust me, I actually, I actually have to think about that too. So, all right, go on. Head into Sunday's matchup. Your 305 game is the Browns and the Chiefs. And watch another game. I'm slightly undecided, but in this case, if the Chiefs win, I'm picking the Chiefs. The Chiefs win. I want to kind of see a rematch Super Bowl one between the Chiefs and the Packers. But if Baker and the Browns can pull off this upset, the Browns have a shot to run the table and get to the Super Bowl. I absolutely agree with you, Patch. Um, but I listen. If the Browns beat the the Chiefs, I'm going to sit there with my mouth on the floor. But you got Pat Mahomes, you got Tyreek Hill. I got to go with the Kansas City Chiefs on this one. I mean, it's going to be a close game for sure, but oh, ultimately, ultimately, if there is going to be a winner, it's going to be the Chiefs. Like, the Chiefs have dominated all season. You know, there's not – I mean, believe me, there's – here and there you might see something that might be boneheaded from the Chiefs, but, like, nothing really. Like, there's barely any flaws with that. I'm going to take the Chiefs in this one. All right, and to wrap up the divisional round weekend, game of the week, round three of the TB and Drew Brees story of the season. New Orleans. Tampa Bay. But I will be happy if New Orleans wins too. I'm going to be the tiebreaker here. Let's go, Drew Brees. Who dat? I'm going with the Saints. Hey guys, sorry I couldn't be with you this evening. However, I have my divisional picks and we shall see how I do. You know, since I was 
four and two last time for the wild card weekend. I think I'm pretty good at this. I think the NFC is going to end up being the Rams and the Bucks because unfortunately, you know, how I feel about Tom Brady right now, I'm still salty, yes, Billy. I think he has a crazy team right now. It's kind of like the Monstars from Space Jam, you know? So, not really fair, but I just feel like they're going to make it. And then I think it's going to be against the Rams because the Rams played hard last time. And I know everybody's expecting them to lose. However, I think it's going to be an upset and it's going to be Bucks and Rams for the NFC Championship. Now, the AFC is a little more tricky. It's hard to decide because both teams, or all four teams, play really hard in the wild card weekend. You know what? I'm. Oh, I love Lamar Jackson, but I'm going to say the Bills are going to beat the Ravens. That's just my gut feeling because they're hungry and they haven't been here in so long. But Lamar Jackson can put up a fight like he did last time, so we'll see about that. Now the Browns and the Chiefs. Normally, I would go with the Chiefs because Patrick Mahomes. Is there any other reason for me to pick them? Nope. But the Browns did pretty well without a head coach last time. and they, oh, You know what? I want to say I'm undecided, but in my heart, I'm going to pick the Chiefs because they're hungry again for that second Super Bowl win, and I don't know. It's going to be a very good game, though, so we shall see. All right, and that concludes our wild card and divisional coverage. Okay. Couple, qu couple quick notes in the um, coaches fired, hired. Uh, we got Doug Peterson was fired. Where does he go? Looks like my prayers were answered to get to get him fired, huh, Pat? <laughs> yeah, your prayers finally your your prayers on Sunday finally paid off, and Doug Peters got fired. For those yeah. of you who don't know, there was a joke during the NHL draft when Pat said, "Bill will be joining us soon. He's in prayer right now." And Rifkin goes, "He's praying that Doug Peterson gets fired." So he becomes the offensive coordinator for the Giants, which I don't hope happens, but. I mean, I mean, I think Doug Peterson, while I understand why the Eagles fired him, and I'm not mad at the Eagles for firing him because, you know, they've been, they haven't been great of late in these past couple of years, but that's not necessarily on the coaching. It's, on the players, like when has uh, and granted Carson Wentz had a breakout first two years. Where has Carson Wentz been? Where has, where are the receivers? Where are where is the foundation of that team? It's nowhere. So part of it's on management too. It's not just on the coaching. And look, I'm not saying and I'm not saying Peterson has been a good coach. I think he's been pretty mediocre these past couple of years, but a lot of that's on management to me. And it, you can't, because to me, it, over a five-year period, you can't go to three straight playoffs, win a Super Bowl, and then just flat out get fired and be like, you're a bad coach. No, Doug Peterson's a good coach. And I hope he gets, down the road, he gets something. I don't know if he's going to get anything this year. Maybe he takes a year off, or maybe he goes back to being a coordinator. But, you know, I feel like there needs to be justice for Doug Peterson. That's just me. Absolutely. All right. Um, old Ops guy Halpern is going to be happy about this. Dan Quinn is the new Dallas 
defensive coordinator. It's a solid move. I mean, Dan Quinn did a great job with Seattle. Like he was on that. I believe Atlanta, he was on, not so much. I mean, head coach. And look, that was his first job as head coach in Atlanta. So sometimes your first job, while it he had a successful run, almost a successful run to Super Bowl. Unfortunately, Tom Brady broke that. You know, it's now it, you, you. There's always a better one coming up, coming up. So, I feel like if he going back to being coordinator, which I think is more successful for coaches, going back to being coordinator, maybe picking the head coach's brains a little bit. A very successful coach in Mike McCarthy. You know, I feel like this is a good thing for Dan Quinn, even if he does two years with Dallas. I mean, he's yeah, he's been he's a great, great defensive coach. And the big news, Urban Meyer will be the new head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. If you guys didn't know, Meyer is a three-time national champion in the college world. He won two with Florida and one with Ohio State. And has a, and has a 187-32 overall record as a coach in the college in, world. In, in the college world, he's the man. Like Urban Meyer like regarded as one of the greats in college. Can it translate to the NFL? You certainly can. I mean, the players are young enough, so you can probably get to them. Uh, what do I think about the hire? I think the hire is fine. I don't mind it. I think that, it, hey, look, if that's what Jacksonville wanted, if that's what, I mean, especially since they're about to get Trevor Lawrence, someone that's sort of familiar with the college game and you have the someone coming in from college, Trying to translate that to the NFL, that's hard sometimes. So the fact that you have a college coach coming in doing professional now, that might be an advantage. Um, ultimately, I felt like they should have gone after Enemy though. And let me just say this about Eric Enemy. I don't know what is with these teams. I don't know if it's what he's saying in the NFL, these interviews, I mean. I don't know if it's maybe his coaching style, his – outlook for the team down the road. I don't know what it is in these interviews that Eric Bieniemy is saying. The fact that he does not have a head coaching job yet is absolutely devastating. It is devastating because he is great. He's great and granted a lot of help from Andy Reid in Kansas City. He's a great coach and he deserves his moment too. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. The Jets are going to hire um, Salah from uh, San Francisco. Eric Bieniemy also interviewed for the Jet job. What is it? What is it about Eric Bieniemy? Um, I just want to go back to Urban Meyer for a second because I have a few thoughts on this guy. Yeah, I, I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry about that. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about Salah in a second if you want. But anyway, um, the thing is with um, Urban Meyer – being hired by Jacksonville. I have been saying this for a while. And listen, no disrespect for Urban Meyer, even though he did screw over Notre Dame, but that's another conversation. Um, but listen, I wish him the best, but here's the thing. I don't – And this is going to be a controversial opinion, but I really don't think this is the best choice. Well, I don't think it's an awful choice. But here's the thing. And when you said the younger guys, you have someone who's never coached an NFL game. 
that that's my point is that can it translate to professionals because these yeah, are professionals now question. can it translate there are coaches who did great in college but once they get to the nfl take nick saban for example. Again, again the only advantage that he has is that he has someone coming from college to the nfl I have a point with that, but we'll get to that in a second. Um, so that that's the only advantage. Other than that, I don't know if what he did in college is going to be the same in the NFL. So that's why it's a weird hire. But it's not a bad hire because Urban Meyer is a good coach. Can I finish my point, please? Um, Sorry. No, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. But my thing is with um, with like Nick Saban. Like, after he won a national championship in LSU, he went to the Miami Dolphins, and he was abysmal. And now with Urban Meyer, and, like, listen, if you look championship-wise, only three coaches have won both a national championship and a Super Bowl. Jimmy Johnson, Pete Carroll, I can't think of the third guy right now. But those three were the only – and, like, here's the thing now. And what what we were saying about how – the Jaguars, it's about a 95% chance the Jags are getting Trevor Lawrence. Um, I know Patchy has his theory, but you heard that. Um, but here's the thing. I feel like at that point, I felt like the better choice for Jags, I'm with you, Reg, should have been Eric Bieniemy, Because you, you are having someone, one of the hottest college, pro- the hottest college prospect coming to Jacksonville. And yes, it's good that Urban Meyer knows how to reach college players. But at this case, you're going to need someone. Jacksonville should have hired the enemy because you're gonna, you, you, you need someone who has NFL experience, someone who's been around the block. And I think the enemy for what he's done with Andy Reid and more than Patrick Mahomes, I think, honest to God, he would have been the better choice. But, you know, like you said, I don't think this is a terrible hire. I think it's just a little strange. But you know what? If Urban Meyer can reach Trevor Lawrence, if the Jaguars get him, because there is a chance somebody can trade up, if the Jaguars get Trevor Lawrence and have Urban Meyer as head coach, then if Urban Meyer can reach Jacksonville and reach Trevor, awesome. But, like, the thing is, I'm just a little skeptical because I have been – I was reading articles before I came on that said, oh, this is going to be great. This is great for Jacksonville. I'm like, I'm just very skeptical right now. We got to see what happens. Um, Urban Meyer, if you're listening, um, I'm still kind of pissed you screwed over Notre Dame. But other than that, I wish you the, ver- I wish you the best in Jacksonville. And I, and I hope he's doing well with his health issues, by the way. I, I really do. Yeah, and same here. But ultimately, I just feel like those that have worked their butts off to get a coaching job, just a coaching job in general in the NFL, especially if you're going to be a head coach, to me, those should be top candidates. It should not be those that – I mean, look, not saying Urban Meyer hasn't worked hard. It should be those that have been around, like you said, Bill, been around the NFL, knows how to connect with the professionals, knows the professional game. You're going to need someone who's going to mold Trevor Lawrence into an NFL quarterback. Yeah, and I just don't know if that's if Urban Meyer can do that. He certainly could, and if it works out, like you said, it works out, 
works out. All power to Jacksonville. Right now, it's a weird hire. But, again, Urban Meyer is a good coach. Can't just throw that out the window. He's a good coach. I'm not throwing it out the window at all. Pat, you have any thoughts? I think it's a great fit for Jacksonville. I think, Bill, you spin out facts about a, about a coach winning a college championship and a Super Bowl was a little bit weird because we're not at that point yet. He just got hired. Okay, I'm just – you know me. I go way into things. You, get, you go way into things. But speaking of championships, we had the college championship this past week. And, if, and it was kind of a no surprise, but Alabama – won another national title, 52-24 to 24 over Ohio State. Saban got his seventh record-breaking championship. He passed Paul Bear Bryant, a coach from the 60s and 70s, where he won six. So they were in a tie. The tie is broken. Saban is superior. That's all I got for college. So all I got to say is congratulations, Don't. Nick Saban. I can't stand Alabama, but congrats. I like Nick Saban. Congrats. We, we got Saban in the college football world, and we got Bill Belichick in the NFL. They're the actually goats. really good friends in real life, though. Yeah. They're yeah. actually really good friends. Having friends is nice. Friends are fun. Friends are fun. And that concludes our coverage of the national championship. I'm sorry, Red, did you have anything to say? Or? <laughs> I mean, what, dude? Bama showed up like they did all year. I think this is a legitimate national championship because they went 12-0 and and they won a national title. They went through the college football playoff and won a national title. This is a legitimate championship. Congrats to Alabama. And look, yeah, I give Ohio State credit, but ultimately, you know, if they had won, it wouldn't, it wouldn't, feel like right because they only played like seven games and then they made it to the college football playoff. Like the big 10 started their season late. I feel like, you know, it's just not fair for those teams that started earlier, you know, that they, you know, were sort of you know, passed on, but you know what? I'm happy that a real team like Alabama who played all season got to win. We'll be right back with more of the sports insanity podcast after these messages. Go crazy for new episodes of the Sports Insanity Podcast every week. Now available on Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcast. Let's get back to it, friends. Welcome back to our show, sports fans. We now move to the bottom half of the inning. Moving on, a couple things in the MLB. Um, we'll get to, the. I, I would say, the major one on a somber note. Tommy Lasorda passed away at the age of 93. It was a big part of, you know, the Dodgers' 80 success where they won two titles. So. He's been using the Dodgers organization for 70-plus. 70-plus years. 70-plus years. Even NBA. when they were in Brooklyn. Yeah, and he, he's, he was a character in the league. Like, you know, when we talk about, you know, like memorable managers in baseball, Tommy Lasorda is – certainly one of them like he is a very recognizable guy and he made that Dodger team and you those Dodger teams were amazing on its own right uh, I think any manager could have managed that perfectly well the way Tommy did it total stroke of genius it's sad sad um, time in baseball world that Lasorda is no longer with us but again 
he lived a long life, 93 years. Like, oh, my God. But, and up until this year, really no signs of slowing down. So, you know, I'm happy that the baseball world got to know Tommy the way that did. And he fought the Philly Fanatic, so we have that to remember. <laughs> totally. My thoughts is one of baseball's best managers led to two – World Series titles. He was just a real character. And um, I think this is a great loss for Major League Baseball. It really is. Led the Dodgers to two World Series titles. Um, he is, he will be missed by Major League Baseball. He really, he really will be. And a couple transactions have also happened. Kyle Schwarber signed a one-year deal. One-year deal with the Nats adds to a great death in the outfield for the Nats. What do you guys think? I think it's a great fit. It's a good move by, you know, Washington. I mean, they, they, like you said, outfield depth, and he can hit. He hits very well. Like, this guy won Silver Slugger Awards, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. You know, hey, and he, and he helped um, the Cubs end that drought. Exactly. Yes, so, like, absolutely. So, so you get someone with experience, and you also get someone that's good. So it's a win for the Nationals. And he's only 27. And that's nothing. He's young, and but he has legs in the league. He has what six years? Is that, is that? Yeah, six years. Six yeah. years. Yeah. So he he's he's a good fit for Washington. Again, uh, a new change of pace too. Like I always say this, a change of scenery is always good for these players. And for Kyle Schwarber, maybe Washington's that play. I think that could that could be a good that could be a good fit for. Like what Reg just said, a change of scenery is good, and maybe going to Washington is really going to help. And, of course, the big news recently with MLB, Uncle Stevie is making moves, acquiring Francisco Lindor and Carlos Cars. Dan, help me out with names, please. Carrasco. Thank you. Carlos Carrasco. Thank you. I got the first name right, of course. Cookie Carrasco. Cookie Carrasco. Um, Cookie Carrasco. <laughs> Uh, I will say this. Um, this is the move that the Mets needed to make. I know our buddy, old ops guy, is a little pissy that Jimenez went in the deal because he's a, he's a bright star. But I've always been a huge, huge – I've always been in favor of getting rid of your good farm system to get back stars. And Lindor's a star, and he helps that middle infield big time. Something that the Mets needed help in, because you know Ahmed Rosario, look, he's a yeah, he, he's a good player, but he wasn't great in the infield. Lindor is that much better. This is a good move. Do this. This is this is good for the Mets. I uh, hitting, fielding. All the good package. And it takes him out of running a DJ LeMayu, rightfully so, because I am not giving him that contract at all. This is a good enough deal. Good job by Steve Cohen. Good job by Sandy Alderson. This is the thing that they need to do. So that means the Mets are not going to get LeMayu. And the Yankees won't either. Yeah, he's probably going to go to the Dodgers. Don't Don't be sad. This is a good thing for the Yankees. And, for, and, the, and the Yankees could still very well get him. It's not like a done deal yet. 
The thing with LeMayu, though, and before we move on, before the thing with LeMayu, five years, $100 million, $20 million a year for someone that, what, hits singles and doubles? No, thank you. That is the craziest idea ever. The more I think about it, the more I it makes me go nuts. I'm sorry. DJ LeMayu, look, I was willing to give him the qualifying offer. Uh, obviously, he could, he could, they could, the Yankees could have upped that a little more. Five years, $100 million. You're not doing that contract. And the Yankees are handling this great. They're saying, test the market. See what they're giving you. And then come back to us if you get an offer, and we'll try to match it. So far, what has been the market out for DJ LeMayu? Let's be honest. What has been the market out there? Well, let's see. The, the Mets aren't going to – Mets got Lindor, so that's going to be debatable. It's, what's the market? Um, that's out. But I heard that the Dodgers are going to look into him, and I heard the – whatchamacallit? The, um, the Red Sox are even thinking about it. There is no market for him. They're not paying him what So LeMayu would be the smart thing. LeMayu, just stay with the Yankees. I agree. Stay with the Yankees. Take less than what you want. You're going to get your payday. Sorry, buddy. Uncle Stevie's not giving you any money. I, I'm sorry. You're not getting a, a five-year, $100 million contract. He is it a, is cra- it's not. crazy. It's crazy. And the fact that he wants it, it it's, it's, it's just so stupid. Like, you know, look, and look, DJ LeMay is a great player. Oh, is yes. He wor- is he Absolutely. worth the contract? Yes. But he's not worth that much. Is he worth a point? To, to hit singles and doubles. Check? Run producer, yes. He'll drive in runs. He will hit the ball. He's going to get you hits. He's going to be one of the Yankees' top hitters, if not the best hitter. Singles and doubles, five years, $100 million. And you have him until, what, age 37, 38 years old? And you don't even know what that's going to be like? No. Take less. Stay with the Yankees. I think Brian Cashman's handling this perfectly. He's not going to give him the, the contract. He said, test the market, see what you get, and come back to us, see if we match it. So far, the market sucks for DG LeMahieu, period, because they're not willing to pay him up. I think it's just time for, again, DJ LeMahieu, because don't forget, when we had my cousin Brian on, said the Yankees would have to come to a door with, with a blank check and say, name your price. But at this point, LeMayu is just going to have to come back. Okay, Mr. Cashman, I'll go for less. Sign me up. But then that means that, you know, DJ LeMayu is going to ask for whatever he wants. But the bottom line is, if he, want, if he had wanted maybe like a two-year thing worth maybe what? You know, 20 million, maybe 19 and a half million, fine. You know, if you, per year, I mean, fine. That works fine. Five years, $100 million, that's where you start to draw the line a little bit. That's a lot of money for someone. So, yeah, with the free agents. And I just want to say, I think Lindor is a really good fit for the Mets right now. I really think it's going to be – I think it's a good deal by Steve Cohen. I think he's done a good I, – I think this is a good deal. Yeah, and it took them a while, but I'm, hope, I'm happy that's, that that Mets front office is finally making good moves. With recording on a Thursday, with a new day upon us, DJ LeMahieu did re-sign with the Yankees a six-year contract worth $90 million. We got NHL. NHL is finally back. We're, 
back. We're recording here on the Thursday, and both our teams are playing since we got the resident Rangers fans and the lone Winnipeg fan. Rangers are up, opening up against the Islanders down in NYC. And up in the Battle of the North, you got the Flames opening up against the Jets. Or the Jets are opening up against the Flames, however you want to put it. Well, Winnipeg's down one nothing, and... It's like 3 nothing or something. Like it's 3 nothing Islanders right now in the second oh. period. Moving on, NBA, you had your big... <laughs> what, what people are saying is an absurd trade that the Nets did to get James Harden. Blockbuster deal. Blockbuster like, deal? But I think it's going to cause drama in Brooklyn. It is. The thing is, they gave up where they gave a what? Four draft picks and a bunch of swaps? Rockets? Uh, I with, think, with Jared Allen, Karis LeVert gone too? I think like the official trades I found where the Rockets got – Rockets get three unprotected first-round picks in 2022, 2024, and 2026. And then they get three pick swaps – in next year's draft, 2023, 2025, and 2027. Which means that, let's say, Brooklyn has nine and the Rockets have, like, 20. They can swap those picks. Yeah, or – They or can put, move up. Or if Brooklyn does horrible and they win the draft lottery. Exactly. And those picks are unprotected, so yeah. they have nothing they, – they don't know what to do. So yeah. – the, the, the unprotected means it can go. Absolutely. Yeah. No, no ifs, ands, or buts. You lose. Good day, sir. It's no not. Wins. It's not a good move for Brooklyn. Look, it's a good move for Brooklyn if they win the championship. And it, it, I'm sorry. At this point, championship or bust for Brooklyn. And I am waiting on the New York City media to hammer the team when they deserve to be ripped apart. And they have not done that yet. Can't wait. Here's- With this whole Kyrie drama, the Nets going off to a mediocre start, and finally Kevin Durant, you know, he's a good leader for that team. You know, I'm waiting for that day for him to be absolute, for the team to be absolutely murdered by the media. Excuse my language. But it, it, this is a bad trade. Go ahead, Bill. Well, here's the thing. Harden, because what's it going to be like with Harden and Kyrie? Well, I would think Harden, he moves down because Durant's going to be the main guy. Kyrie's probably going to be the two. And then Harden's probably going to be, he's going he's gonna to be demoted pretty much. Unless, unless Kevin Durant is so much about sharing the, the piece of the pie and everything. I don't know if that's what Durant. I mean, it, you might it, watch Harden it, it, it and Kyrie go at it. It worked well in Golden State for Kevin Durant. So, like I said, I think Kevin Durant can be a good leader for Brooklyn. So hopefully, it won't become too much. But I mean, let's see. It's to me, this could work out, but it's going to be a little tough because now you have three big big-time scores on the team. And, you know, it, it, could, be, it could be drama brewing. Uh, hopefully not too much. Hopefully not too much. Because what's it going to be like? And also, and also you got to think about it this way, Reg. Like, Harden tends to underperform in the playoffs. 
Yeah, because he well well that's that's because he was the guy in Houston. And we've learned over these past few years that while he can put up fifty or so points on a given night, I don't know if he can truly carry a team. That's why you have someone like Kevin Durant who can truly carry a team. Kyrie Irving cannot carry a team. Truly. That's why you have someone like Kevin Durant, because at least Kevin Durant has been in that position where it was his team. Absolutely. So, because here's the thing, he's going to be the leader of, Durant's going to lead that team, and what's it going to be like with Harden? And also, he hunts for fouls as well, so. Yeah, it's going to be a little weird for Brooklyn. I don't like the trade. I feel like the Nets gave up too much. And the Rockets are going to benefit. The Cavaliers might benefit because they, I think they, they're the ones that landed Levert. Is that correct? Or did he go to Indiana? I forget where he, where he went. I forget the official trade. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, ultimately, this is if Brooklyn does not win the championship and either Durant or Harden or Kyrie up and leave in like a couple of years or something happens where they're not playing as much. It's a really bad deal. This can set Brooklyn back, and we've seen Brooklyn have a major setback, especially after that Celtics trade where they got Pearson company and Garnett. And, you know, I just feel like this move, while I understand it, I feel like it, they just caved, really. Like, they just gave in, and they just took the deal. And this, and this is not what Sean Marks has been known to do. Sean Marks has been very protective over this type of stuff when it comes to draft picks and, you know, young players that they're developing. Yeah, that's what I think is – I think that's what's going to happen. I think it's going to be very interesting in Brooklyn. It's a wait-and-see game now. See what this team can do. And to close out our show – it's well. It's 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 been around for almost a year. COVID concerns, as always. You know, I can't wait to the day where we don't have to hear that word again. We're gonna hear it for a long time. It's a part. Yeah. It's it's etched in history. It's part of our. It's part of our society for now on, and for history sakes. Yeah. But uh, I mean, I'm assuming you're talking about the NBA. And- NBA, NHL, both have yeah. had some COVID concerns. You know, it it's like. It, to, to make this short and sweet so we can end, it's like, do we do it? Do we do it? Do we do a bubble? Do we not do a bubble? Yada, yada. It's like, you know, we, we just got to write the storm around. We knew it was going to happen. If, if players are going out after the game, doing, stupid, doing, doing silly stuff, we're, we're going to have outbreaks. So, yeah, Ultimately, while bubbles work, Bubbles are a lot of cost a lot of money, and to the just just for your psyche, it's just bad. Like you're away from society, you're closed. It, you know, I, I hate to compare it to prison because I've never been to prison, and hopefully none of us end up there. But you know, you're you're closed off. You're in an, something that you're just locked in. It's not good for the mind. So. I understand not wanting to have a bubble again. Like imagine that the NHL and the 
NBA had to do another bubble. That's two straight bubbles. Like, I don't know. I, I, I feel like this method is fine, but to me, there's always that risk. And the NBA, I think, has done an okay job at handling it, but it's a disaster. It really is. And we knew this would be tough. Well, here's the thing. Um, I'm kind of stuck in a weird place right now. I think maybe the bubble would be best because games are getting postponed left and right. But then you bring in something like, you know, this is not going to be good on the player's mental health. Because there are ways to point A to point B, point B to point A, so on and so forth. Wait, from family? And and look, I understand that. I understand what it's like to be away from something for so long. And it's it's not a good feeling. Like, really. So while the bubble has worked and I know they want to play while the bubble worked over the summer to me, I feel like the NBA, while it hasn't been handled the great, it's not, it's not being handled great. This is the right move because ultimately you have to think about the players too. You have to think about the players. You have to think about the families while safety is first priority. Always got to think about the minds too. And I think this is, this just helps a little bit. Just have some type of sense of freedom and normalcy, even though things will never be normal again. Whatever we had was normal, no longer. I absolutely agree. And Patch, what are your thoughts? You know, it's it's that challenging time now where cases are going up, cases are going down. It's that it's that. Um, it's like being hooked up for where your heartbeat's going. Do, 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 do. It's like you don't want it to flatline, but you kind of want the curve to finally flatline out and this, all this goes away and we're back to normal where, hey, if we want to go to Rangers game, Knicks game, Winnipeg game, yada, yada, that kind of game where we can go attend a game. Yes, we have to wear a mask. We want that to happen soon, but it's not going to happen anytime soon. But bubbles should not be a, an, an option right now. You you sort of have a bubble in the NHL right now where all the Canadian teams are just playing in a, a newly one-year division of the North, mm-hmm. well, which I think they should make a North division in both conferences. I think they can make that work. Let's go to a four-team division. That's another tangent for a different day or discussion. They, they, well, they have the teams to do it. They they have the teams to do it. They have the teams to do it. But once again, conversation different day. <laughs> but I think if anything, let's ride. Let's get to the halfway point of the season. Let's see where we're at the halfway point. If we need to do a bubble again, we cut all the teams that have, do not have a shot to win the championship. You're under five hundred. You're out. Put it that way. I would say see where we are like next monthish. See where we are there. I would I would go halfway point. What let's get the ground off the let's get the ball rolling here with the seasons. Because, the only, go ahead. Because NFL has had some problems, but look what they're at right now. The only thing I will say is for at the halfway point, you don't really know. I mean, hopefully we will know somewhat who's not going to make the playoffs who has a great chance of making it, but just to just get rid of what? 
15, 20 teams off the bat just for what? Like, you know, you have to give, you have to give some of these teams a chance. Yeah, you get, you know, okay, I, I would say then you take the 8th, ninth, and 10th place teams out. And then you give 7 through 1 a chance, if not 6. You bring the top six teams in, and the, from each conference division, where how how the hell you want to classify it is NBA. They can type NBA can take their top nine teams into a bubble, and then the NHL can take their top nine as well. So and then your so then the whole format of the playing game and everything would go would just go away. Yeah, it would just go away. Oh. Uh. I mean, first of all, I'm all for it. I hate this idea of a playing game. Yeah, I don't like no, playing. There's, there's no it's, playing. It's stupid. It, it, it's a stupid idea. Don't do this playing format. You, you, you take your top. You take your top nine teams in, and if you want, want to be generous, you give all the one seeds a first round buy. Excuse me. Oof, that's dinner talking. But um, you give the one seeds all buy for first round. And then that way the other eight teams duke it out for the first round, and that one seed goes against the lowest seed remaining, and then go on. Absolutely, I think maybe that's what they should do. And yeah, but you know that the bubble discussion may have to come up again soon. Unfortunately, it may have to come up again. It shouldn't be. It it shouldn't be a discussion right now. What if, if cases are going up? Oh, we. Cases are always going to be going up for now until everyone's vaccinated, and that's going to be at least two years. And that's a ama- And that's another thing. Like this vaccine that people are touting, the Pfizer vaccine, the Moderna vaccine. Uh, there's another one based in Maryland that's like under research right now. AstraZeneca has a gotten approval in England. You know, it's it's going to take a lot of time, and you know. The hope is that you know we get a lot of the world has vaccines, so that we can somewhat plan to move on and you know find ways that we can safely reopen so that everyone can enjoy sports again. Yeah, absolutely. I I hopefully this season or it's probably looking like next season we could be sitting at Yankee Stadium again. Oh, brother! They the base. They want to do it this year, though. Baseball. I don't know where I'm personally going to be in that. Well, well, you don't have to go. You don't have to go. I'm probably not going to go if if it's still too much of a risk. I just want to see where we are at that point. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's it's a good point, I guess. Because let's just all I'm saying is let's see where we are. Patience. Quoting St. Thomas Aquinas, patience is a virtue. Hey guys, it's Christine again. Just here to talk about some COVID concerns in the NBA and NHL. Uh, well, looks like lots of teams are getting COVID. Games are being delayed. It's, it's a mess. It's insane. Kyrie Irving, hello. Now he got fined oh, for going to a small party, something like that. I don't know. Part of me feels bad because it's like you're getting punished for doing normal things, but at the same time, you know, this is your job and your career and you can't get other people sick, so I'm not really sure how I feel about it. However, as far as games being played, I mean, it it looks like they're just delaying games constantly, game after another, and I don't know what the right answer is. I don't know if you can cancel 
an entire sport for a season. However, let's not forget baseball was on strike in 1994, so it's not like it's impossible. But I don't know. I how how many times can they delay games and for how long? To where? When do those games get made up? I mean, I'm sure they could find the time, but it must be mentally exhausting for the players to have to you know, abide by these rules, which that's what makes me feel bad about Kyrie Irving specifically right now, is, you know, how many of us, well, you don't have to tell me, but how many of us go to small gatherings and things like that when we're not supposed to, definitely not wearing masks, or you see a friend or a family member, you don't know where they've been. You know, it's hard not to live your life, but at the same time, you're getting paid millions of dollars to play the sport for the season, so... I, I don't know, I probably would take the L there, Kyrie, and I would have just not done that. But besides Kyrie in general, the NHL and the NBA, player after player, it's insane. I mean, it's like always over 10 people getting tested positive. Uh, I don't know. It's a tough call because, like I said, you don't want to cancel an entire season of games. However, it might be something we have to do. I don't know. I don't think anyone will agree with that, but I just feel like after the year we've had, it wouldn't be too crazy to cancel it, but we, or we can just keep delaying it to, to, you can't delay anymore. Who knows? Vaccines are rolling out. Maybe eventually they'll be able to make up the games. Who knows? However, let's hope this year goes back to normal and we can get back to our regularly programmed schedule for sports even hockey that I need to practice on. Sorry, guys. I will try my best. But I am a Rangers fan, so there's that. Uh, well, hopefully, hopefully things get better and games can be played and we can talk about these games that are being played because right now these games are getting delayed. What can we do? So anything else, folks? No, let's get out of here. Okay, well, we hope you enjoyed um, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Listen to us wherever you get your podcast and go to Wearpatch. Go to the website, www.thesportsinsanitypodcast.com. Name change, name change to the website's coming soon. It's going to be a slight change, but that's a announcement later down the road. And also, look out for blogs. Blogs have started. A few, few people have blogs out. Go find them. It's a gem. It's a gem. So, okay, that is our show for today. Until next week, I'm Bill Murphy. I am Lawrence Patchman-Lang. Danny Boy Reginald, it's great to be back. Uh, probably won't be back for the next show, but uh, the fact that I get to talk sports again, it's classic. And uh, Hopefully I'll do more of these as I settle more. Okay, All this right. has been the second in inning of the second game of the Sports Insanity Podcast. We will see you next week, guys. Stay safe and take care. Oh, he said that flawlessly. Adopt US Kids presents What to Expect When You're Expecting, a teenager learning the lingo. Jelly, jelly adjective. Jelly is a shorter, better way to say jealous. As in, Chloe, I am like so jelly of your unicorn phone case. You don't have to speak teen to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. Visit AdoptUSKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council.